This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 389, Everything's Magic. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Michael Rowe here on Friday, October 21st. Wow, I can't believe it's October 21st. And you know what that means? It means it's time to talk tech and gaming and all kinds of fun stuff with my friends and co-hosts, Andy Piper and Michael Martin. Andy, how the heck are you? Hi, Michael. Yeah, it's been a week. It's been a, a week, an eventful week, but uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I am happy. I've got a weekend ahead. Uh, you all will be listening to us hopefully on Monday or after the weekend, but and you may may be listening the following weekend. Who knows? But anyway, yeah, I've got some uh, some fun plans for the weekend, uh, and uh, we've got some good stuff to talk about. Michael Martin, how are you? Good to have you back with us. I'm glad to be back. Uh, you know, travels are what they are for all of us, and it's nice to be back to talk tech. And um, I missed last week's show being with you, but we have things that kind of follow on, and we'll we'll start with one of those, which is um, an article from the Register, which was entitled "The Metaverse is the Internet No One Wants." So the <laughs> two of you had a lovely conversation about what it means. We've had kind of various themes on that. This particular article um, puts it into context here, too, is that there's really not a huge desire to make looking for people to act in their or companies act in not their best interests. You know, we're open as long as you come play in my garden. I think, Michael, is yeah. something you said, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because uh, I think this article came out as we were recording the show last week. Wow. <laughs> um, and uh, it. It, it really is a, a statement. If, if you think of some of the the kind of the foundational elements of the internet, they were developed not by companies for the purposes of creating an open platform, mm. but by governments and institutions to create an open platform, right? Uh, you look at some of the cool open source stuff now, there's kind of two kinds. One, that are community built up from the bottom. And two, where uh, an organization believes that they can take their standard and put it out as an open standard in order to get either a competitive market position or to remove that as a competitive differentiator. And the one that comes to my mind right now is uh, Matter, which is uh, the, the new IoT home automation standard that's oh, come out yes, that yes. really removes a lot of the barriers for people to buy uh, lights or doorbells or whatever, uh, and and enable them into their smart home, uh, but that, from what I understand, is really based on Apple taking their HomeKit stuff and laying that as the foundation of Matter. Right. They they contributed that to open source. Right. Yep. So yeah, in, interesting. So what are you saying there? That the. the so that was a commercial company sort of saying, here's a bunch of stuff and other people are now building around it. But from the internet perspective, I think I heard you talk about um, institutions. I think from my viewpoint, 
the military, the uh, academia, uh, and other industries sort of built a lot of the foundational things. I think a lot of it came from um, academia, especially at the actual World Wide Web, if you look at Tim Berners-Lee. Um, and those things came together into a thing that did more than just enable you to access information more easily. But over time, you've had this sort of applications layer added on top that have enabled you to do things like collaboration, you know, Web 2.0, right? Um, the ability not just to publish uh, and, and read content, the ability to read write content. So then when you get to metaverse, there's if there's are we saying that if there's no external or sort of side project, if it's a company trying to create a thing and make it a thing that that's never going to work. I think that's what the registers article is saying. And I'm, yeah, I'm curious I'm saying there's got to be a there's got to be a commercial or competitive reason for a company to take their technology, their proprietary technology, and turn that into an open source or an open standard, right? Um, as Apple did with Matter or with HomeKit in order to allow more and more of the various smart home devices to be usable in an Apple ecosystem, right? That was their competitive reason or their their pressure. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm, and I'll just pick on Second Life, you know, we talked about them before if if second life were the end-all be-all back 15 years ago there would have been no reason for them to open up things to allow others to integrate or not not to integrate but to to pull things out of it right back to my closed garden come into our garden and play but don't take stuff out of our garden uh, there's got to be a competitive pressure that makes it a an advantage to the company to do that i would argue that or my memory is as well that there was a ton of reverse engineering that went into persuading them to do that opening up um, because yeah. it was seen as a, a dominant slash um, a highly um, used um, space. But that competition continued and, and, and arguably that it has continued to this day, right? That we're, we're still seeing mm -hmm. multiple attempts to create these kind of environments. It's really interesting to me that there's nothing as fundamental as HTTP was to the web, um, that, and well, TCP/IP and HTTP have been the, the really the two found fundamentals I think that have enabled that to be successful. And then, of course, the the language is HTML and JavaScript and CSS. But and then and more things have been have built been built on top of that. I don't see, and maybe I'm not close enough to it, uh, equivalent protocol level to language markup level, markup language level to application level stuff happening in the metaverse space. I see something bigger going on, which uh, doesn't, maybe it's my mental model, doesn't necessarily um, enable me to, to see it the same way. But um, I, I think this is a very interesting article in general, just about, you know, the, the, the businesses haven't got the, uh, urge a lot of them just don't have the urge to, to to do this. Only one or two do, and therefore, and and, and it, this one appears to be you know super driven by by Zuckerberg, and therefore why should it why should it happen? And I think the question that I suggest that the three of us would all agree on is why should it happen the meta way? Why should the meta, why should meta be the one to to create the metaverse and have this thing 
why we, I think, have been talking, well, I know that we've been talking about metaverses and the metaverse and 3D internet and virtual worlds for a long time, but we've been always thinking about it in a much broader um, sense than the different pockets of activity we're seeing right now. Yeah, I, I find it interesting because I, f I feel Meta, Meta the company, kind of cha chases the current thing, whatever it was, right? Uh, like their um, various acquisitions over time that were chasing the thing, right? Um, and I don't think they have something to chase right now. They're trying to build the start in their mind. And it's not clear that they're starting at the right place unless they're chasing Zoom, or they're chasing teams, right, to create a co-work environment for meetings. And that's the end. And I don't think that's the end game, right? That cannot be the end game. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what's the business pressures that turn the metaverse, not metas verse, but the metaverse into something that's real and competitive well, and grows. Well, we've got a couple of other links on this and, and one that, the next one that we have on our list is from Digital Trends about um, specifically about the Quest Pro and its ability to replace your laptop or not. Um, I think it ties in really nicely to the Microsoft story, the the sorry, the previous story, the register story, because that towards the end talks about the uh, the news from MetaConnect where they've done this deal with Microsoft to enable you to use your Microsoft 365 products inside of um, the. Uh, of the quest and arguing that well, who would want to do that? Uh, I saw a funny tweet today from a friend of mine, uh, Phil Howard, um, which um, that fits also into this space. Not so much about the um, not so much about the power of the Quest Pro versus a laptop and the usability of the Quest Pro versus a laptop from a computing perspective, but from um, what he calls the cup of tea problem. The cup of tea problem is how do you drink a cup of tea when you've got your headset on? Uh, you know, you, you, you can't. Reminds me you, of the movie Airplane. Right? You, you, if you need to use the bathroom, you're taking your headset off. If you want a cup of tea, you're taking your head, you either have a, a straw or you're taking your headset off. Um, it's uh, it's just not easy to, to fit into your lifestyle, whereas a phone for example, has been something that has slipped into literally people's pockets and lifestyles very easily. Now, the argument I would say there is that he's the, that both the article and Phil are right that the current iterations of the hardware will not replace your laptop. But once you get to a stage, potential stage, that everything is just like wearing a pair of glasses or, of course, contact lenses, Michael, um, yeah, then... That uh, there's not, no, there's, there, there aren't those same physical barriers. Well, there, I, I there's do... less than that too. You know, the the eventuality here could be that you don't need to have any kind of can be brought directly to neural cortex, and you just are thinking about it. So there are some that are, and yeah, I have the same kind of. Eh, I'm not sure I want that because do I want to be able to switch off entertainment work? Etc. 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 When I want to, you bet. So the notion of a pair of goggles, whether they're VR, AR, what have you, um, replacing a computer, I, I don't think that's 
super highly likely right now, or a laptop, I should say. The the notion around phones, though, is is really intriguing because we've been going through this now in um, for a number of years about people using a mobile interface to conduct business, commerce, education, a whole range of things where uh, th- there are many um, uh, of our younger generation that are trying to do things or and, and succeeding on a mobile device on a much smaller screen that I know, at least in my experience, I would not want to do without a laptop. Granted, I'm not trying to build charts uh, or presentation files on my phone in the Google environment or Microsoft, Apple, whatever. Um, but that's a, that's a use case that's kind of narrow. But it, you know, filling out a form, buying something, searching for something, going more and more and more mobile. Um, I think the timeline for when a phone eclipses the need for a laptop is going to be a precursor. For- I, I I think we'll skip over that. I I, I do. And and what what I do find interesting in all these you know kind of visuals that people present with whether a headset can replace your laptop, right? Is is they mix the user they mix the user input, right? So. I, and I'm looking specifically at the picture here, but I've seen a lot of pictures like this where they have, you know, the multiple floating monitors, which give yep. you, I think, a great use case. I really like to have multiple monitors with lots of content. And if I'm using an AR headset, having that overlay on the real world so I could have, you know, a monitor to the left of me, a monitor to the right of me, and bravely I go uh, in the valley of death. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, the they, they always try to then interact with the touch interface on these virtual screens. You've got a mouse and a keyboard sitting on the desk in front of you. So use it for what it's good for, right? Which is a lot of display activity, but use your existing mouse and keyboard uh, to, to interact with it. That's, that's one thing. Uh, when I think about uh, using a mobile device, it's probably been eight years Shortly after the iPad came out, so that was 10 years ago, I think. But eight years ago, you know, I was in work meetings using the iPad to create PowerPoint charts. And I found it to be much better than I did on my laptop because I I hate PowerPoint (laughs) as a starting point. But the ability to lay things out on the screen and move them and resize them was much more natural to me because it was like I was working with something on my desk and moving it around and sliding and resizing, et cetera. Um, So so I think getting to a point where we can jump from a, a computer to some kind of virtual headset or goggles or glasses or contacts or jacking into the brain with a you know, a spike in the back of the neck uh, is all going to be dependent on how fast we can jump to those new, the right use cases for that technology. I don't think there's going to be this logical path that says we go from laptops to mobile devices, then to headsets, um, because I think they're going after a different potential use case to start with, right? Uh, And how we interact with them. And those interactions are going to drive the use cases that make sense. So, Anytime they try to do these pictures where they kind of munge it all together, I think they get, they get the picture wrong. And they're taking us down a path that may or may, may or may not be the right path that we're actually going to go down. I, I see that point implicitly. And the picture always, okay, we're just in a different environment. You know, let's, let's exactly. go put a presentation up on a virtual screen instead of on a TV screen. 
We can put a prim in world and put a video feed onto it. <laughs> we made a TV. Yep. Um, so moving along, and it's, but, but staying on the theme, um, there's a new, newish book that is now available from a Bloomsbury business, say that three times fast, into the metaverse from Kathy Hackle. Um, and one of the two of you guys, I think, found this particular book. Thoughts on it? Uh, it's uh, all about marketing. Uh, it's written uh, for uh, CMOs. Uh, and I'm, it's reminded of uh, Second Life, where books were written about running businesses in Second Life. Uh, however, this one is also very much, uh, so it, I say it's marketing and CMO. I mean, they're talking about chief metaverse officer rather than marketing officer. So I'm, I'm being, I'm being <laughs> cynical here, but, but they're actually talking about what a CMO uh, in the new sense of uh, CMO, the, the metaverse officer would do in terms of managing goods and uh, reality. And also then you get it down to things like um, real estate, though digital virtual real estate, but there's also a heavy focus on things like NFTs and Web3 and cryptocurrencies, which I'm uh, not so convinced by in terms of whether this is something that needs to be uh, part of the same space, um, uh, whether these things have to be interlinked. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's the, the, the subtitle of the book is, it's called Into the Metaverse, The Essential Guide to the Business Opportunities of the Web3 Era. It's fully loaded with buzzwords. And uh, I will be interested to see uh, what reception it gets or how important it is in the future. Uh, evidently, uh, the author is one of the world's six existing uh, chief metaverse officers. So, uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Mm. Uh, I haven't, I haven't plunked down on this one yet. I, I, I like the idea that you were talking about the CRO, the chief reality officer. um and i think we need a lot more of those i I picked up on one element here that i I like quite a lot which is the notion of of a avatar representing the interaction so there, there are spaces and places where i've been able to interact with a company through an environment like twitter and i feel like i have a closer relationship because of that with the particular company and the same kind of thing I think is embedded here from a metaverse perspective where the company that is really embracing the metaverse, kind of like the Walmart example that you guys talked about last week, you could have Walmart be uh, an element that now interacts with the participants in the world. I'm trying to remember the name of the company. I think it was my virtual model Uh, years ago, years ago. I remember working with a customer uh, who was trying to look at, using something like my virtual model to create an avatar representation of the company to address customer support online. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and gosh, this 12 or more years ago. And, and I thought that was ideal, right? Uh, it talking about brand representation and, and how people interact with a brand based off of some perceived notion. So uh, I can imagine, uh, you know, snap, crackle, pop, and pow, right? You could have pow as your interaction. I don't know if you knew there used to be. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that that interaction would provide a, a level of familiarity with the brand in that interaction. So 
that, that was cool. Before we leave this topic, I just really want to quickly say, so the book is actually not out until January, um, and I probably will try to um, read a copy because it does sound interesting. I don't um, fully always agree with some of the elements um, of the space that we're talking about, especially when it comes to connecting the, the, the crypto contexts. But um, the author is actually um, a pretty um, well-established um, person who works in, in metaverse topics. Having said that, um, the list of companies is a long list of marketing and product companies. So, you know, your P&G and fashion brands and others. So, again, I, I'm curious to see how this becomes real beyond um, those contexts. 100%. All right. So moving along to the wide world of casinos um, and math mm. and magic. Um, this is incredible. A really interesting article. I mean, there's 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 lots of stories that kind of revolve around those, those three. But to me, this all starts with random numbers, mm. um, shuffling, card counting, and the ability to predict what is likely to come up next. And um, not being enough of a student of magic, so I can't appreciate all of it, um, what I gleaned from this article is there are lots of ways where hand shuffling a deck can let you appear to randomize the cards, but you can do the same thing eight times in a row, and uh, presto magico, you've got the same order that you began with uh, from a start. And this story was about um, a, a group of people that were observing a card shuffling machine, which has to have algorithms to it as well. It has to have gears, you know, that are structured in some way. You can't do a quantum random number. Maybe you could. I don't know. Anyway, they, they were able to figure out which cards were coming up and be able to then uh, adjust their betting accordingly until a point in time where they were caught. And uh, that was bad for them. See, see, this is this is what gets me about the whole casino deal, right? Um, if if, deal. if you're caught thinking, yeah, it's called cheating and they kick you out. Right. <laughs> right. right? It, it, it's like they analyze the set of available data in front of them at the time of being in the casino. Yeah. It's not like they brought in a computer, they did all this. They analyzed the data at that time. This is, and it's just like card counting, right? Card counting is a way of collecting data and using that data to predict or behave in a certain way. I don't consider that cheating unless you consider that the house cheats too by stacking the deck in a certain way, by having seven decks instead of one deck when you're playing a card game, right? I'm also not a mathematician um, or a magician. I, I played around with, with magic tricks when I was much, much younger, but this was a, a really brilliant, uh, it's a long form piece of writing and I think it's worth um, folks going to have a look at it. It's on the BBC website on their future section and it's quite lengthy and you kind of need to pay attention as you read it i was trying to repeat it to somebody else um and uh getting some of the details mixed up or having to sort of like go back to it and reread it back out to the other person so it's it is fascinating understanding that um there are ways that you can when you're shuffling cards, insert a random seed or not, essentially. Uh, it, it's brilliant. It's really cool. And as you just said, Michael, um, in the very last sentence of the article from the uh, the, the mathematician who um, who did this work or, or, or was, was doing this study, thinking isn't cheating. He says, thinking is thinking. Exactly right. 
you know, why should you be penalized for, for being skillful, for being intelligent and thoughtful and understanding things? Um, of course you will be because it, you're breaking the business model, but, uh, so, so quick, get that person out of here, but it's, uh, it's fascinating for sure. How, how dare they be successful in this way? Talking, talking of magic, though, uh, I upgraded my oh, yes. my uh, devices this week ahead of time because the release candidates came out to the latest um, macOS Ventura. I upgraded my iPad to iPadOS as well, the new new version of that, because I wanted to be able to try out this magical stage manager that uh, they've introduced, and uh, <laughs> and also I wanted to try out the continuity camera um, and. Michael, I know that Michael Rowe. I know that you've um, been playing with this through the beta period as well. I yeah. was really impressed. I, I I opened up my my Mac yesterday, and um, I'd just had the new Belkin MagSafe mount that we've got a link to uh, arrive. It's a magnet. It's an expensive magnet, everybody. It's a magnet with a little bit of plastic on the back that just sticks out and sticks it on the back of your Mac. But once you put it up there, you get this pop-up saying, hey, do you want to use that as your camera? Uh, and it was great. I was really impressed. I, I I think they do. I mean, we're, we're as we record the show, we use uh, Skype and we have videos so that we can interact with each other and make snarky faces. Is there such a thing as a snarky face? Anyway, um, uh, while we record the show, and my Mac has such an awful camera on it, no matter what the lighting in here is, I look really grainy. And Andy and Michael, you guys look fantastic. Good lighting. Looks wonderful. Uh, and and last week, I, I had set up the continuity camera. And it's just night and day. The fact that you can do lighting tricks and and follow the use, follow the speaker, right? There as was, it at pans around with you as center stage um, and I, things I, of that nature. I'm still not a lover of center stage if I'm not moving around. I can see how useful it would be in a group situation or in a meeting room situation. I'm not a lover of the camera tracking when I'm sitting in front of a desk and I can see myself when the camera moving myself around. I think I would find that distracting as a viewer. Um, so I've switched it off in the in the Opal camera I've got. Um, and I switched it off quite quickly when I was trying out continuity camera yesterday. However, I did share... Have, 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 Go ahead. I was going to say, have you tried the... Uh uh, the the trick that allows you to watch yourself type yeah the desk view yes i tried desk, that desk view, um it. it didn't it, well it wants to sort of um have draw a little um trapezoid beyond your trackpad so it actually is you is covering a, a small part of your desk i did try that desk view out and evidently because it's a second app so it starts up a separate mm -hmm. app for desk view uh, which is, it's very neat. You can sort of say, yeah, I want it in this area to to an extent. It gives you a little bit of control. Uh, and then it just treats that as the, the camera image into the app that you're using. Uh, I didn't find it very useful yesterday when I was just playing with it, but I can see that it could be useful for electronic demonstrations, other things that I've got all over my desk. Um, that was one of the reasons why, even though I've got a fancy camera for my desktop, I did plunk down for the uh, expensive magnet uh, because I can use that magnet when I'm traveling and use and then get a better camera without needing to to take a separate thing with me. I spoke at a conference in Dublin in July and I ended up uh, going out to buy a standalone webcam for that event because I wanted to be able to show off some electronics boards. 
had I had that continuity camera and the ability to do that desk view, I wouldn't have needed to do that. Um, it turns out that, you know, bog standard webcams are not that expensive and I managed to pick one up quite quickly, but uh, that would have been a really nice thing to be able to do. So I, I did get the thing from the Apple store. Actually, I think they listed it in the store on Tuesday um as available and then i ordered it in the apple store app on the iphone and it arrived it was supposed to arrive today it arrived yesterday so um but yeah it's, it's a nice bit of hardware it's ridiculously expensive for what it is really how how stable is it because i i i printed one yeah. or got somebody to print me one on the 3d printer that i could use my my charging puck in it so it's constantly charging and i didn't have to you know string yeah. the cable up to plug it in and it's it's okay, but it just feels a little unstable to it, me. It so seemed okay. It seemed is. okay for me. Um, it took me a moment to realize that it actually got two clips. It's got like a one, which is more like a, a ring that you would use for holding it. Uh, and then it's got this tiny little plastic lip that, that unfolds on the other side of that. Um, yeah, no, it, it seemed fine. The Because it's the MagSafe, it's using the MagSafe magnet. The, the, the problem is not stability for me. It was the level of the of how, how whether the, the iPhone itself was level because there's nothing to actually force the iPhone to be flat to be horizontally you know 180 degrees to your uh, uh, angle so I kind of spent a little bit of time adjusting it Michael you sent me a picture of the one you've got which has oh it's, it's that 3d print but it goes around one of the magsafe yeah. chargers now this is not a charger yes. this is thirty dollars for, for for just a piece of plastic and, and a magsafe mount. Now there are other ways I can use that. I can use that for standing up my phone and whatever, but um, I'm not likely to, to be honest. It, but again, I've got a case which has MagSafe support. Um, I leave it in the case all the time. Yep. I plug it. I put it on a MagSafe charger overnight. I can now just slap yep. that thing on if I need to. And I've got a, a desk charger, magnetic desk charger as well. So it's a nice system. I, I know we're getting close on time, so why don't we talk about? Hmm. 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 So, so, so we've been talking about you know the the cool things that uh, continuity camera gives you, uh, but was it last summer twenty twenty one? Was that when mm -hmm, when it came out of beta? Might have been. Uh, it's it's been a while because I, I I've had the account and and they recently uh, enabled a new feature that allows you to basically turn your video calls into video games. Uh, I will say I've not had a chance to play with this yet uh, because even though I have a mm-hmm account, I, I so rarely ever use it. <laughs> mm. uh, it probably doesn't even have that loaded on my machine. It's been so long since I've loaded it. But uh, I'd forgotten. what did you guys at least think of the idea? I'd forgotten what it was until you sent this link to us. Um, but I forgot also that Phil Libin, who used to be the Evernote CEO, is the current CEO of mm-hmm. Uh, mm. And it seems interesting. I, I kind of think um, it's fun. It immediately reminded me, though, of something else I've been spending a lot more time in. Sorry to slightly divert the conversation. Um, so this is a tool. Um, this is a tool for sort of making work videos and adding some fun content and putting yourself as a little talking head in the corner and all those kind of things. And it's 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 pretty neat. Um, what I have been focusing on this week is Discord. So Discord did a blog post on Monday, I think it was, to announce a bunch of new stuff for their chat platform. So Discord is something like Slack is, is the most comparable thing that you would have, would would recognize if you looked at it. But it's it's been it's come from the gaming sort of space. It now has integration with um, the Xbox. So Microsoft have essentially thrown away their 
um, their chat feature and just said, let's use Discord. And they've added now the ability for you as an, a server owner to add your own apps. And they've got these things called activities. So those are games where you can also sort of play mini games. And I attended a video meeting in Discord yesterday um, with a group of moderators for a forum that I'm involved with. And we were talking about, you know, we could play chess or play ping pong or whatever in a bit, little video thing. And this this whole thing with them, hmm, where they're talking about adding these fun sort of helicopter graphics and other things uh, reminded me a little bit of that. Um, but it still seems to be, and it, it is still very focused on the, the collaboration business workspace, which is what our show is also uh, all about. Uh, I I kind of looked at it and I kind of went, hmm, hmm. And then I kind of went, hmm, and didn't really sort of spend a ton of time. And that time was it? it? Yeah, more or less. That was yeah. my response, to be honest. I should, I, should, I should have another look. Yeah, I think we all need to give it a shot and then maybe play one of these games together. Um, my, my, my quick take is that there are icebreaker things that you can do. Uh, and we've had a few of those on the show before, and there are some really interesting ways of letting this be a bit of an icebreaker. So, how do you yeah. do a team thing together to destroy some asteroids? And digital, know, that's did it, good. Uh, from the article, digital spaces where people can hang out and do stuff together sounds an awful lot like the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wonder if they can add a cryptocurrency aspect to it. Who knows. Uh, well, so um, last couple of things before we close, we've got a um, interesting physical reality, not a metaverse reality of a, of a beehive home for bees, mm. uh, except this one is made out of our favorite substance, our this very favorite cool. substance. Yeah, it's so a this, bunch of Lego bricks. This is actually a two year old story from May 2020 um, that uh, where, where the, the story that's that, that's linked from the tweet anyway. Uh, I think it, it predates that a little bit because by then the video of the hive had already had a hundred thousand views on, on, on Facebook. So, uh, it's very, very cool. Uh, it's in Ireland. Um, a, bee, a, a beekeeper built a little hive out of, um, uh, out of Lego uh, and got bees to populate it. So yeah, very, very fun little, little story and tweet there. Um, and then finally we, uh, we'll, we'll end on a, on a metaverse gaming uh, topic as well, we uh, like Lego. Similar to Lego, very very nicely wo- uh, woven together here. Um, you're in a theme here. We have a <laughs> uh, a story. Well, there was the Minecraft conference, uh, Minecon, last weekend, I think it was, and uh, they announced a number of things. But um, one of them was Minecraft Legends, which is a sort of uh, large scale strategy type uh, game. And uh, yeah, they're, they're really taking the Minecraft uh, IP and doing it, taking it in different directions um, around around games. So there's a video of a trailer, cinematic trailer for Minecraft Legends, which comes out next year, uh, which I, I, looks nice. I, I I love the idea of a cinematic trailer in three dimensional eight bit and and minecraft style balrogs you know hanging out in the bottom of a yep yep very cool yep well awesome um i if if you want to hear uh more on any of these topics or if you have some topics of your own that you'd like us to talk about please come over to our website at gamesatwork.biz or 
Hit us up on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz and let us know what you're thinking or what games you're playing. Please do. In the meantime, see ya. See you next time. Bye. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Mm-hmm.